Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Tonight to Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. That is the Soul of America Radio Network, where we are bringing to you not only empowerment, but we're bringing to you impactful discussions and impacting ways of addressing many of the social ills of our society. If you're listening for the very first time, we're so very glad that you have us. Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness can be uh, heard each and every Monday evening at 9 p.m. That's 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 9 o'clock p.m. is where you can find us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's www.soulofamericaradio.com. That is how you can reach us. And if you're trying to call in, you'd like to call in and listen or call in and be a guest, you can call in at the number area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323 uh, 9638. That is how you reach us here on the uh, show tonight. I'm so excited to be back with you tonight, live and in living color. Uh, the last week or so, we uh, had a pre-recorded show on last week. Week before, I definitely was dealing with some uh, some uh, ailments and infirmity, but we are grateful today that we're back live, and we're so glad that you've joined us tonight. And we believe that we have a show in line for you tonight. We believe that there's a show tonight that you're going to find very impactful and you're going to find very uh, uh, very much uh, informational. But I need you to be a part of it in order for it to be its best. We always want to give our best, never want to give our less, always want to give our very best. And so uh, uh, that is what's so important. Uh, 
uh, to what I need to do and what I need to convey to you on tonight. Here we are on the 17th day of March, and there is just so much to be said and so much to be discussed. This is very crucial at this hour. This is a very crucial time inside of our uh, nation, a very crucial time around our communities as we're dealing with so much that is going on. And I want to be one to say that we're looking at the issue of domestic violence that's happening um, all over the country, all over the world. We're seeing it happen. It's not done in a vacuum. We're talking about families that are ripped apart. We're talking about families that are hurting. We're talking about families that are really suffering, uh, and they're suffering, many of them, uh, seemingly by themselves because of the fact this is a subject matter that nobody wants to talk about. No one wants to talk about the impact of it. No one wants to talk about how people are impacted by it. But I think it's so very important that we have that conversation because that conversation is the, it is the uh, missing ingredient in today's society. It is that missing ingredient uh, as far as really talking about what, must be done, what must be done in bringing healing to our nation, what must be done in bringing healing to our communities, and that's where we come in today. If you've never listened to the show tonight, let me say something to you. It is it is informative, it's powerful, it's powerful, it's a discussion that really takes us from the place of where we are into a place of healing. We believe that there's, there's healing inside of every situation, but healing is a journey. It's not something that just happened every, uh, you know, quickly by uh, a spur of the moment, but it's a journey. It is a journey that we must be willing to go on. It's a journey that we must uh, be uh, willing to really have a real honest conversation about, and I believe that we have to go that far tonight. I believe that we have to deal with it. I think that we have to uh, you know, we have to deal with it in a way that is going to uh, uh, definitely uh, impact our future, a way that we're going to be able to rescue the next generation because this has become a pandemic. It's a pandemic in our society. We see it happening more than we care to, and we have to do the things to stop it. And, uh, you know, so I want you to know that it's so important. Uh, you know, and we need your support inside of this. Your support is very important. Your support is in, uh, important as far as the message that we are bringing, but also the fact that we must not sit on the dock of the bay. We must stand up. We must speak out. We cannot afford to allow things just to go as status quo. We have too much work to do. There's too many things that, that must be addressed. Too many families are suffering, even as I speak. Too many families are suffering at the hands of uh, violence and abuse in their home. And I discovered this, that it's not just affecting the most immediate family. It is destroying generations and generations to come. So I say that to say this to you, that we have a responsibility as a people. We have a, we have a responsibility as a nation. We have a responsibility as individuals. We have a responsibility to make make a difference. And when we set up to make a difference, then we will understand the fact that our lives are not in vain. Our lives are not in vain when we stand up and speak out. And that is what I really want to convey tonight. And uh, you can reach us tonight, Erico 323-784-9638. Uh, tonight we're going to get into some very recent issues of domestic violence and homicide. Some of them have happened less than a week ago. And we're going to talk about the impact upon those families and those communities but most of all, what is it that we can do as a people to make a difference? What is it that we can do to make a difference? And I believe that is crucial in this day and time. That is crucial that we stand up and we make the difference that need to be made. I think it's crucial that we not only stand up but that we speak out. And we must speak out in a way that is um, uplifting, a way that is uh, sound, because these issues will not be solved by uh, 
our government. It will not be solved by those individuals. It will require all of us to be a part of this. And so I invite you tonight, listen, get on your phones, call a friend, call a neighbor. Let them know that hope and healing is on the air, and we are looking forward to having you to join us because I believe tonight can be the beginning of healing. It's a healing process. And if you would join us tonight, I believe that we collectively can begin to find that path to healing for our communities at large. So that is what I want to make sure that I bring to you tonight. That is what I want to make sure that you understand because of the fact that we as a people have to stand up. We have to speak out. And if we don't stand up and speak out, then what we have allowed to be sacrificed is the next generation. So that is how you reach us. Now, let me tell you about there's many different ways to stay in touch with us. We do have a couple, uh, actually about three different uh, places on Facebook you can find us. We have a page that is called Domestic Violence. It is your business. I need you to go not just like that page. I need you to join that page because on that page is a lot of information there about the issue of domestic violence. How can we address it? What to look for in signs and symptoms, resources, uh, oftentimes testimonials from survivors and their families. So I want you to be able to access that and be able to uh, direct others to that page as well. So that's what I want you to do first and foremost tonight with Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And then uh, in addition to that, we have another page, and this page is just the opposite. This page is called Destiny by Choice, the Roman number two, Fellowship. This page here is about inspiration. It's about uh, uplifting. It is about praise. It's about worship. It's about those places of healing inside of so many things. And so when you go to Destiny by Choice to Fellowship, it is a page that I tell you there's so much to do. It is a drama-free place on Facebook where you can go and you can find uplifting scripture, testimonials from different members that have joined, a music that is uplifting, and most of all, you will find strength and empowerment when you go to that page. So I want to make sure that you're part of that and be a part of that page there. That is the Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page. So the uh, Domestic Violence, it is your business page. is a very important page to go to, as well as the page I just told you about, uh, Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship. Uh, those are very important pages. Now, if you'd like to reach us tonight and you'd like to be a part of the studio audience, or should I say the guests there, to join in with us, the number is area code 323-784-9638. If you desire to have a comment or question, simply hit the number 1 on your keypad. Once you hit the number 1 on your keypad, that allows our producer to uh, let us know that you want to come on the air, and we will bring you on the air. We don't have to give your name. You don't have to give your name, uh, but we will welcome your comment. I believe tonight is a time of finding healing. I believe tonight is about the fact that we must understand how do we take responsibility for our communities. How do we do it? How do we do it uh, as individuals? Because I'm, I'm concerned because of the fact this cannot be accomplished by government alone. This issue will not be accomplished. There's no law that can be uh, uh, passed that will cause us to live a violent, free, and specifically uh, violent, free lives inside of our homes. It will happen when people reach a place of awareness, a place of empowerment, a place of uh, uh, a place of self-worth and self-value that they're willing to set up and do something about it. Listen, that the victim isn't crazy, not by a long shot, but they are battered. They are abused. They've been broken up and broken down in many cases. But we must look also at the perpetrator because there is something that's, uh, that is sadly wrong inside of this situation. In many cases, them themselves have been exposed to this, and this has become a way of life. But we must hold them accountable inside of the action. Domestic violence is terrible enough, but 
when we continue to see the, the rise of the amount of homicides that we continue to see, we have to understand the, long, the, the long-reaching impact of those type of actions. The long-reaching impact goes far beyond just two individuals. It is reaching into generations. It's destroying generations that have not even yet come. And so that's why it's so imperative that we as a people speak out against this issue. And I want to have a very serious dialogue today. Tonight is really about a serious discussion about the issue of domestic violence and homicide and what is it that we can do. I want to just say tonight that each and every one of you that are listening, we have the power to do something about it. We have the power to turn it around. We have the power to make it better. We have the power to strengthen in our neighborhoods, and that's the power that we must exercise. That's the power we must go forth inside of. That is the power that we must begin to speak up and speak out about, because if we fail to speak up and speak out, this is what happens. We watch generation and generation of this impact, and it goes on. And it doesn't just play itself out in in private. That is the misnomer. Domestic violence never stay private, because it impacts everything that is connected to it, every person. The child who is witnessing this or being exposed to it is playing it out inside of school, oftentimes inside of the academic underachievement and sometimes even overachievement. But what about as we begin to tie the link between so many dropouts among our high school young men, as particularly young black men of color, they're dropping out of high school, but you look at the correlation of them that have grown up in abusive homes. Now, here's the interesting thing. Not always an abusive home with a mother and father because father is gone, but oftentimes an abusive home with mother and her significant other or significant others over a period of time. So how do we as a community address that? That is what we want to talk about tonight. We want to talk about what is it that we must do. We do not take the time every Monday night just to come on the uh, on these airways just to say that we're here. We are about bringing hope and bringing healing, and we have to do that collectively. We have to understand what is our part. You've long heard me quote the old, uh, the, uh, the Ashanti proverb that says, the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. That is a truism. That is a true statement. And we must take, um, we must take responsibility for that as we go forth inside of it. So Erico 323 9638 that is the way you reach us tonight. We are ready to go right into this show. But right after this commercial break, we're going to come in. We're going to invite your calls. That is how you Reach us, some of you that are on the line already holding. If you have a question and a comment, if you'd like to be uh, heard tonight, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you'd like to get in, and we'll get you in tonight. I am looking forward to this time. I have some very fresh cases uh, to discuss on the air tonight with you, and I want you to stay tuned. Hold on until we get there you listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'll be with you right after the break. and healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio, LLC. This is the one and only Soar. 
domestic violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody. You can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklet, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. Before the break, we begin to talk about the issue that we would like to talk about tonight, and we're talking about some more current, more recent cases of domestic violence homicide, and that we understand that these cases oftentimes take a long time to be solved, though many of them, uh, we can identify the perpetrator immediately because there's either has been a history of violence going on, or definitely there has been definitely a history of threats. Uh, to the victim. And tonight, I want to talk about a few cases all over the country, and uh, uh, and I want to be able to bring and look at some similar traits with those cases. And then in addition to those things, I want to be able to have a very serious discussion tonight, a very serious discussion with you tonight as it relates to what is it that we must do as a community? What is it that we must do? One of the things I think that is so sadly tragic is that we are too often continuing to look for government to make the difference. We keep hoping that government will make the difference, the all-in-all difference. But I am convinced that it's going to require us as a people, as individuals, as a community to make the difference. We have to make that difference. We have to be the ones to speak up. We have to be the ones to speak out. We must be the ones that uh, refuse uh, to uh, give in or give out concerning this because, in fact, our family members are being affected. Our family, the people that we know, 
uh, the people that we have dealt with. Uh, many of us, whether we're dealing with them professionally or we're dealing with them uh, uh, as a result of them being neighbors or coworkers, we know that this is a very uh, serious, serious matter. And it's a very serious matter that uh, must go address. We can least afford to continue to be silent about something that is so treacherous and something that has impacted us in so many ways. So tonight I want to um, open this up tonight uh, uh, you know, talking about some things that is so important. And uh, I'm going to give you a few recent cases that are going on across the country. And I want you to hear some things here because some of them are very similar. Some of them are very similar. Uh, all of them are nevertheless very sad. They're tragic because, of fact, they involve uh, people that have been killed, um, you know, innocent people, lives have been taken. And I want to address that, and I'm not going to be biased tonight. I'm going to share some cases with you, uh, uh, definitely probably a majority of women that have been killed. I'm going to show you a few cases where there are men that have been killed, um, and these are most recent cases. And then we're going to go just a little further, and we're going to talk about what is it that we can do, what is it that we must do in order to combat this now. And this is important because, the fact, we have to look at it. And I'm going to get a little closer to uh, where I'm located. I'm in South Florida, and I want to go a little further. I want to go a little closer to us. Here is a case that is very much open. This case happened uh, less than five days ago. This is the case of Michelle Wilcock, age 33. She died Wednesday, March 12th, in Miami, Florida. Her murder was captured on the surveillance video of a nearby preschool which showed the man holding a gun while chasing her, then shooting her. Now, police said the man was Michelle's husband of 12 years, Antonio Wilcox. That's the alleged person. They say she ran out of a nearby home in fear of her life after a domestic dispute escalated, and he chased her down and killed her. He was taken into custody Friday and has been charged with second-degree murder. Now, Michelle was a third- and fifth-grade teacher, and she survived by one child, 33 years old, loss of life, running for her life, a person who every day was contributing to society by serving as a school teacher. And now not only is her life taken, but the life of her one child has been uh, tragically changed forever. These are the things that we must consider that when we see these type of things happen in our community. My question is, I wonder what is the community around that area of Miami doing? We have to stand up and speak out. There must be a, a, a loud outcry when we see these type of things happening. So I want to make sure that you keep Michelle Wilcox, family in prayer. Michelle was 33 years old and suffered such a horrible death, and this death here uh, still ring loud in the Miami area just taking place March 12th, so five days ago. Now I want to take you to a case that is even uh, a case here of a young lady, age 34. Her name is Alicia Sly, Alicia Sly, age 34. Alicia was discovered uh, deceased Sunday, March 9th. 2014 in Marshville, North Carolina. She was found in the driver's seat of a car that was stopped against a curb. The police said that on Thursday, March 13, Alicia's husband, uh, Reginald Leon Allen, age 37, confessed to shooting Alicia in the head as she drove down the road, and he took the Texas to the area where he had tossed a gun in the woods, not far from where she was found in the car. 
After the search for the police located the gun in the woods, Allen was charged with first-degree murder, kidnapping, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Police said that Alicia and her husband had just moved to Marshville from Massachusetts. Alicia worked full-time and was a student. She survived by two children. Now, why is this incredibly important? Once again, we see a 34-year-old and we see a 33-year-old lives that have been mowed down by people that um, that uh, she actually uh, trusted, that she loved, and was and supposedly loved her. But we have a problem, Houston. We have a problem. And by the way, for what is worth, both of these were young women of color. They were both uh, young in the in the prime of their lives, lives taken by husbands uh, that, uh, for whatever reason, did not value who they were. Where's the outcry for these communities? And once again, I ask you, if you would, come on, put her on your prayer list, the family of Alicia Sly, age 34. Imagine this, folks. She leaves behind two children. She leaves behind two children who will never see their mother again so tragically killed, and we have to do something about it. We can no longer just sit around. There's things I want to talk about tonight, and I want to invite your input. So area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. If you're on the line, if you desire to make a comment, a suggestion, or have a question, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That allows our producer to notify us that you want to come on the air, and we'll bring you on the air tonight. But I don't want this to be a monologue tonight. I needed to be a dialogue. I need your help. I need your opinion. I need your input because we as a community are all suffering behind this. Now, here is a case of that we have both Alicia and Monica, both of these young ladies, aged 33 and 34 respectively. Lives are taken by their husbands, and these are tragedies because, once again, the value of life oftentimes is not realized by us as a community large enough. So, what we have to do now is really take a real serious look of what is it that we can do. What must happen? What is our responsibility as a community? Now, I want to move into another case that I think is important, because oftentimes inside of domestic violence homicide, we find the cases where oftentimes we have love triangles, and meaning love triangles where there's an ex that may be involved, that may be directly responsible uh, uh, by, for someone else. There. And I want to take you to the case of a gentleman by the name of, of Arjunan A.J. Lloyd, Jr., age 64, died on Tuesday, March 11, 2014, in Jackson, Tennessee. Authorities said he was shot and killed by a friend's former boyfriend, Yataki Fuller, 37-year-old, watch this, killed a 64-year-old. The ex-girlfriend of the man who was accused, watch this, the ex-girlfriend of the man who was accused of killing a uh, 64-year-old uh, Afrodon Lloyd Jr. told police that she saw Yataki Fuller pull a gun on Lloyd, then heard Fuller fire shot, according to the court documents. Lloyd was dropping off Catherine Dickerson at her home on Greenwood Avenue in Jackson about 7.20 p.m. That's when she saw her ex-boyfriend, I want you to hear this, her ex-boyfriend Fuller driving from the dead end side of her street to her home where he stopped. Fuller instructed Dickerson to take her child inside the house. Uh, so that he could talk uh, to Lloyd. As a result of it, Dickinson heard Fuller say, you think I'm something to play with? 
And then Dickinson said Lloyd was slowly backing his car out of the driveway into the street while Fuller was trying to prevent him from leaving. Dickinson then later told the police that uh, she heard a single gunshot and ran into her home and then heard Lloyd's car speed off. People, this is sad. The report says that Fuller had a history of violence and served prison time for armed robbery. He was released two years ago. He now faces a murder charge. People, things are complicated, and we have to be in the know and empowered. At these times, we need to know the history of the people that we're dealing with. When did the last relationship end? How did it end? Is there a stalker on the loose? Is there some obsessed individual who cannot let you go? Because you need to be informed of it because of the severity of the matter. You don't know how hostile it may be. You don't know what uh, the rate of lethality inside of these situations, and yet still we see them happening. So here's a man that was shot literally by a friend of an ex. Of an ex. And this is a sad doing it's a sad thing here and we continue to see it happening i want to share about three more of these with you and then i want you to uh, tonight area code 323-784-9638 that is how you reach us once again area code 323-784-9638 i invite your comment your question you don't have to give your name i need you tonight join in with me not a monologue I want a dialogue with you tonight because it's only through our collective efforts that we can begin to do the things to empower our community, to strengthen our community, and to make a difference as we look at the root cause. Because when life becomes expendable, then we as a nation are in trouble. When life no longer has value, that we can just take a life without considering the consequence, without considering the impact, without considering how egregious it is, then we as a nation are in deep trouble so tonight i want to take you to another case here and this case here breaks my heart because here's a young lady here and this just happened on saturday christian williams age 19 died saturday march 15th 2014 in jackson mississippi she and her mother davietta horton 49 wow were shot by Davietta's husband, David Horton, at their home in the early morning hours. Kristen, who suffered multiple gunshots, died at the scene. Her mother was shot in the abdomen and was taken to a local hospital where she underwent surgery. She is currently recovering. But David Horton, her mother's uh, husband, has been charged with one count of murder and one count of aggravated assault. Age 19, could you imagine? Now, was she caught in the crossfire? Or was this a deliberate attempt on the behalf of this individual to kill her mother and killed anything that was in sight. Listen, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to one another. You, we have a responsibility to not only one another, but we have a responsibility to make a difference. People, we can no longer just, uh, you know, uh, you know, sit on our hands and act as if it's not our responsibility or our issue. It is all of our issues, and that is why we must all come together. Erico, 323-784-9638, that is how you can reach us today. If you're re- listening by way of the World Wide Web, you can always email me at jsicklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That's the letter J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. Now, we're here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the lines are open up. I need to hear from 
from you. If you're calling in tonight, area code 323-784-9638, simply hit number one on the keypad. That is how you reach us. That is how we can dialogue. I need your input tonight, and right after this commercial break, we are going to take your calls, and we are going to talk about some solutions to this, and we're going to talk about some similarities in this case. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'll see you on the other side of this short break. Listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323 784 9638. 323-784-9638. This is Thor. Two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You give Jay a call right now. And now back to the show. that when we grow 
cold, when our hearts grow cold about such issues, because these issues are far-reaching. It's far-reaching in terms of how people see themselves uh, and how the survivors of these uh, individuals and loved ones of survivors, how they see themselves, how they see relationship, what do they view as healthy and unhealthy. These are the underlining issues that we must face, and if we don't face them, then we're going to continue to see things uh, 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 accelerate, and we're seeing it happen even now. The number of cases of domestic violence occurrence is getting even uh, younger and younger and younger. We're seeing teen dating violence experience and exhibit some of the same behaviors that we see inside of uh, uh, adult violence, domestic violence. So we have to understand that we have become the, our, the teachers of society. This is a learned behavior, and unfortunately, the lesson has been learned way too well. And so, therefore, we do have a responsibility. We have a responsibility inside of this like never before. We must make the difference. We must speak up. We must speak out. We cannot allow it to continue to happen without uh, stepping up and saying, I am my brother or my sister's keeper. And I think that um, we have that responsibility. We have that responsibility to one another. We have that responsibility to our families. We have that responsibility to do what needs to do. And so uh, I say to you tonight, as we're waiting on your calls, Erico 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us tonight. I'll be so glad to take your calls tonight. If you'd like to have a uh, comment or question, simply hit the number one on your keypad, and we'll bring you on the air. We'll be so glad to have you. Once again, don't want a monologue. I'd rather have a dialogue with you. Your opinion matters, and it's very important inside of this. So um, let's have um, – uh, let's have uh, your call in today as we're examining more of these cases that are so tragic and so uh, tragic they are. And I think we have a responsibility to one another. And I'll tell you why this is so important to me. Because oftentimes we'll have the board, they're full, or people will respond to me later, said, enjoyed the show, saw the show, or whatever the case may be. And yet it's still when they've had an opportunity to chime in and contribute, they did not. And that's the same thing inside of this situation. I don't want to see another casket. I don't want to have to be a part of another one of those incidents of something that could have been preventable had we only did what needed to be done to make a difference. And so I invite you tonight to uh, the line, area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us, number one on your keypad, and we'll bring you right on tonight. Now, we've talked about these cases and similarities, but I want to show you something that happens as a result, oftentimes, of this need of control. I want to show you what happens as a result of, uh, oftentimes, not only the need of control, but the need to, to feel like that one owns another person, and we see destruction happening. Uh, one of the more sadder cases I've seen in years, and perhaps you have heard it uh, somewhere on the news, and um, it is a sad case, and I want you to understand what I'm about to say to you. It's a very horrific case. And it's the case that perhaps you've heard on the news where the two-year-old, the two-year-old young girl whose father literally, after having her for his time of visit, threw her in the creek, in the river, threw her in the river, had her mother thinking all along that he would he was on his way back to bring her home. A little girl by the name of Tierra Morgan Glover. People, my heart broke. 
My heart broke when I began to read this. My heart broke. Because the lawyer for the man charged with this killing of his two-year-old daughter by tossing her in a creek while still strapped to her car seat said Wednesday that the real question for the jury is not whether or not he did it, are you hearing me, but whether he was thinking clearly that night. Arthur Morgan III of Edentown is accused of weighing down the seat with a tire-changing jack so it would sink. He is charged with killing his daughter, Tierra Morgan Glover, in what prosecutors claim was premeditated jealous rage because the girl's mother would not get back together with him. Unbelievable. Because the mother would not get back together with him. He chose to do that. Uh, and, uh, and so when I say this to you, I want to finish reading this to you. I really do. This is what happens inside of the story. Said he's not only accused of weighing her down and doing this, but the, 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 the story says this, that the child's body was found partially submerged in a creek at, at Jersey Shore Park on November 22, 2011, one tiny black and purple sneaker sticking out of the water. In his opening statement, the defense attorney said that the jurors uh, told the jurors that their task to decide what form of homicide applies to the defendant. People, are you hearing me today? How could you defend these type of actions? This is a sad case once again that we continue to see going unnoticed. Here's a sad case that we continue to see uh, go without any type of remedy. We have a responsibility as a people and as a society to speak up and to speak out, and that's what I'm, I encourage you to do right now. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us, area code 323-784-9638. Please hit the number one on your keypad if you like to have a question and a comment. It is crucial, people. It is crucial. Families that are being torn apart and destroyed because of horrific death, the horrific taking of a life, this should not be. This should not be. We have more to be concerned about. Listen, I have very little time to be concerned about Atlanta's Housewives or any of these other reality shows when the reality of life is that we have these particular type of travesties happening throughout our communities. And yet it's still people are looking to see how far they can get to the edge and get, get by with things when there should be a real demand for us to hold one another accountable. So Tonight, as I open up the lines, and the lines are open, and uh, uh, there are callers on the board, I really wish that you would talk with us tonight, but uh, perhaps you're just uh, on the end of listening. I, I do welcome your emails as well as at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com, the letter J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. You can also email us at manofpurpose2000 at gmail.com. That is the way that you can reach us tonight if you don't desire, if you, uh, if you desire not to actually actually appear on the show. We can get your questions, comments, or suggestions uh, in the atmosphere. Now, what I want to say to you is this, and I, once again, I really don't want to have a monologue. I welcome a dialogue tonight. This is what I want to say. It is evident that there is a lack of education and a lack of knowledge within our communities as it relates to the severity of the issue of domestic violence. Perhaps there's a lack of knowledge understanding the signs, the warning signs of behaviors that are so closely related to this subject matter. Perhaps there is a uh, 
under our education of recognizing the warning signs as far as the lethality assessment. How do we know how serious this is? Perhaps we oftentimes only look at domestic violence when it has reached the place of broken bones and black eyes and ultimately death. But we have a responsibility to understand that domestic violence starts long before then. We often say that long before the perpetrator beat their victim up, they beat them down. They beat them down verbally. They was beat down emotionally. They was beaten down in every uh, stretch of the imagination. So we have a responsibility as a people to stand up and to speak out. So when you say, what is it that we can do? I'm so glad that you've asked. We not only have to begin to educate. We have to educate in a way that is going to be beneficial. We've got to educate in a way that people are going to be empowered. We have to educate. There's too much of this happening in our society. So what do we have to do? We have to educate in a way that people can relate to. As much as, as this issue is not a funny matter, you've got to understand that when art can imitate life, whether we're educating through uh, stage plays or movies or we're educating in our books or we're educating through sermons or we're educating through different outreaches from sororities as well as fraternity, we have the obligation to educate. Tonight we've discussed here over five, six different cases of just horrific forms of domestic violence, and which four, four to five of them have just happened within the last six days. Listen, this is not a laughing matter. This is a serious matter, and we must begin to examine what are we going to do as a nation, as a people. It is not going to happen because of any bill from Congress or any of those things in our state legislature or our country. It's going to happen because we as a people become educated. We as a people become knowledgeable about what is going on. So I want to take the time real quickly to review those uh, cases that I, we talked about tonight. And I want to try to review them in the order that we started off with. Michelle Wilcox, age 33, died Wednesday, March 12th, people, less than a week ago, five days ago, in Miami, Florida. Michelle murder was captured on a surveillance video of a nearby preschool who shows the man, who we know was her husband now, holding a gun while chasing her. Did you hear that? While chasing her, then eventually shooting her. Police said that the man was Michelle's husband of 12 years. Imagine, now let's, let's do the math here, folks. 12 years she was married to him. She's 33 years old, so she married him when she was 21 years old. And here is her husband of 12 years, Antonio, uh, uh, not only ran, ran her out of a nearby home because, uh, because she was in fear of her life after a domestic dispute, a dispute escalated, then chased her down and killed her. He was taken to custody, of course, being charged with second-degree murder. Could you imagine that? Here's Michelle, every day of her life, working as a positive contributor to society. She was a third grade and a fifth grade teacher, survived by her one child, who's asking that question, Mom, where is Mom and why, undoubtedly, 34, 33 years old. And then we talked about the case that, that we dealt with with Alicia Sly. Alicia Sly here, her case here, which took place in Marshville, North Carolina. Marshville, North Carolina, on uh, Sunday, March 9th. My God, the Lord's Day. On, on, on Sunday, March 9th, in Marshville, North Carolina, where she was found in the driver's seat of a car that was stopped against a curb. Police said that on Thursday, March 13th, her husband, Reginald, confessed. He's 37, confessed to shooting her in the head as she drove down the road, and he then 
took them to the woods where he had tossed a gun, but he left her there, folks, knowing that he had killed her. And he's charged with first-degree murder, kidnapping, and possession of a firearm. But once again, here it is that undoubtedly they had moved from Massachusetts. Undoubtedly they moved from Massachusetts. Why? To have a fresh start in life because undoubtedly domestic violence was taking place even in Massachusetts. And here it is. They get here to Marshville, North Carolina, had not been there any period of time, hadn't been there long, just arrived there, trying to start life all over again, just moved from from, uh, Massachusetts to try to start life over again. And her life is taken, folks. She's killed and she left behind. Here she was once again, full-time, and was a student survived by two children. Let me share something with you that's similar with those two stories there. Both of these are young women of color, age 34 and age 33. Both of them was mothers. Both of them, one having, Michelle uh, having a one child and uh, Alicia having two children. But here's another m- main thing to look at. Both of them was gainfully employed, working, and both and Alicia was not only working, but she was also a full-time student, contributing to society, trying to better life for herself and better life for the future. And what do we see happen, people? We see that their lives are taking their gun down. This is why we have to speak up and speak out. Our prayers go out to the families here. Our prayers go out to them. And I'm not just saying it as a religious slogan that our prayers go out. I mean, earnestly, we have to pray for them. And earnestly, I will be praying for them because this is crucial, folks. Are you hearing me? This is what's going on. And tonight, I don't want a monologue. I want a dialogue with you. I want a dialogue with you because we all hold a responsibility. So area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. That is how you make your uh, opinion known, your suggestion or question. Hit the number one on your keypad. We'd love to get you on the show tonight. I need your help. I need your help to understand that we've got to be the change that we desire to see in the world today. That means that, listen, we're going to have to be the ones to sponsor educational projects. We're going to have to be the ones to use technology and things to bring awareness to this. A lot of times people cannot see themselves. Listen here. You cannot see yourself. When you're in the frame, you cannot see the picture when you're in the frame. So we have to be able to have another way of bringing this out. Those were two cases there. And then we went on and we shared with you another case that I thought that was so sad and so tragic And as, as we shared this case. And I want to get to that case that we shared with you a few minutes ago as well in addition to those cases there. And we, we shared with you another case here that involved Christian. I believe her name was Christian I believe Williams, I'll get back to her case there in a second. He was a 19-year-old. Hear me. A 19-year-old whose life was taken and whom her mother's husband also shot her as well. Christian Williams, age 19, folks, 19 years old, died Sunday, March, uh, Saturday, March 15th, two days ago. In Jackson, Mississippi, she and her mother, uh, Devietta Horton, 49, was shot by Devietta's husband, David, at their home in the early morning hours. Christian, who suffered multiple gunshot wounds, multiple folks, died at the scene. Her mother was shot in the abdomen and was taken to a local hospital where she underwent surgery. They're charging her, the husband of the mother, with one count of murder and one 
count of aggravated assault. People, I don't know why they're not charging him with one count of murder and one count of attempted murder. Surely he wasn't shooting just for his health. But these are the things we must do. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight. Hit the number one on your keypad to let me know that you'd like to come out. I want to have a dialogue tonight, not a monologue. Uh, and I want to get you on the air tonight. I need your input tonight. Many of you are on the call. I see you out there. I definitely welcome your opinion and your insight. Now, we're seeing things happen. When these type of tragedies happen, let me tell you something. There is so many people that are affected by it. There's an empty cubicle at work. There's an empty desk at someone's job. There's an empty workstation somewhere. There's an empty uh, classroom. There's an empty uh, position. There's an empty slot because a life has been taken. And I think that is what we must keep in mind tonight. Area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. I'm so very glad, and I think my friend and colleague, I'm going to get on the air tonight. I want to welcome you to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Thank you so very much for joining us tonight. Good evening. Uh, how are you tonight? I am great, but I'm, I'm quite sure you hear the passion in my voice and almost to the point of um, almost to the point of almost desperation, because I, I'm, I'm concerned that we see and hear of so many of these tragedies, and we we deem these to be the ultimate of the tragedies because lives were lost. But my heart is broken because it seemingly it is seemingly seemingly that the community is apathetic about this issue. It happens so often that it's something that happens, we grieve, we have a funeral, and then it's done. Nothing else is done to prevent anything. And that's what you're hearing in my voice. And, and that's so, that impact, like you say, on the community, that's where I'm looking at. If there's an impact on the community, because if it were, if it was really a strong impact on the community, then maybe it would stop. Maybe some of this violence would stop. It's like it's happening, read about it, then it's flushed away, and nothing else is happening, you know, except more violence. The perpetrators uh, that are committing this violence on their loved ones, this is going on and on and on, but what's happening to them? They're incarcerated for a minute, and then they're out. You know, then there's the, 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 the lady who protects, who tries to protect herself, in, uh, in Jacksonville, she was arrested because she shot a gun in the air. But she was trying to, to tell her husband, vigilante husband, to leave her alone. And then there's the woman who took her three children into the ocean. She was so distressed. She was running away from the violence that her husband was placing on her. She had been to, and she's pregnant, and she had been to so many different community institutions asking for help. And it didn't happen. What they said to her, what I read in the newspaper was, well, why, what did you do to cause him to want to abuse you or to abuse you? What did you do? And when she realized that she was still not getting involved, she decided that she was going to take her life and take her children with her. She was committing that type of suicide if it was not for the, the rescue of passersby who came and helped her children, and eventually she came to her senses and jumped out of the car herself. But then there's, like you said, the husband who ran down the street with a gun, he could care less. He 
he was going, he was in his mind, is I'm going to get you. I don't care what happens to me, but I'm going to get you. Okay, so what happens there? Community talks about it for a minute. Everybody stands on the street corner, and they continue to talk about it. But the families are distressed. What happens to her family, to his family? They're distressed. So he goes away, and he's still in jail. He's not remorseful because when he went to court, he showed no remorse. He looked like, well, I got her. I did what I wanted to do. I got her because of whatever she was doing to me. So nothing is happening. You know, and, and when it should be, what are the police really doing except arresting them? I mean, we don't want to know what they're doing behind the closed doors. We want to know what are they doing in society to stop politicians, what are they saying about it? We have workers from the Department of Justice up in Washington, D.C. They're not uh, down here in, in Florida. They're doing their best for domestic violence, but their hands are tied politically. You know, how many people are going on the Hill to talk to the congressmen, to the senators about what's happening in this domestic situation? We're basically hearing what's happening with uh, going on overseas and international relationships. How many times do we have to stop it? We know that the White House has an office on domestic violence coming out of the White House, separate from the Department of Justice, separate from Attorney General Eric Holder, what he's doing, okay? But nothing is stopped down there when it comes to in the crunches where we are. It's all up and up. You know, you're so right about it, and you, you cited so many important things. You cited the case there with Melissa Alexander right in Jacksonville. And unfortunately, Melissa sat in jail all that time, and, and her case was overshadowed by the Trayvon Martin case. And while we were trying to march for justice on one end, and uh, and, we're, and, we're, and we're, we're trying to find victory on one end as it related to the Stand Your Ground law, as, the, as they were saying the defense that Zimmerman was, uh, was using, we were totally overlooking the fact here was that Melissa Alexander, whom, in my opinion, was using the Stand Your Ground law appropriately, and yet and still we had her to be found guilty and literally had her up for 20 years. And it was only, now watch this, only after the public outcry afterwards that she has been released. But the most latest thing is that now they're saying that they could give her even more time, and that's what they're going after, to give her even more time than originally what the 20 years would have been. So what type of system that we have that continues to punish the victim and does not take responsibility in our society for what we're doing? Uh, the case there, and I'm so glad you brought it up, of the woman there with the three children. Now, you're outside of Daytona Beach, this woman had fleed her husband that was abusing her. But yet it's still, the media is going to only make it look like how crazy she was. Oh, my God, you know, we got to protect these children from her, but we don't get to the root problem. And the root problem is the fact that here was a woman who was abused and had been beaten down not only by the husband, but also beaten down by the same services that were supposed to be able to serve her. And once again, I'm amazed at the, the re-victimization of victims, even from organizations that are supposed to be serving people who continuously to put the blame on the victim, continue to say, well, what did you do, or why didn't you do this, or the other, and not understanding the fact of the dynamics and what I like to call the, the whole mentality when a victim is going through situations. People don't look through those lens. They don't
don't understand the number of things that are going on, the reason why they stay, the number of things that a victim is trying to balance in their mind, in their hearts, and, 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 and trying to do the right thing, and yet and still when they do try to get away, we as a society find a way to still re-crucify them. And so where does it stop? It stops at the grassroots. It stops at the fact of us as community. We have to empower. We must inform. I totally agree with you. We've got to we got to get in the faces and the ears of our congressmen and our elected officials. We've got to begin to hold rallies and have things in our community. And we have to we we've just got to make it a our business to say not on this block, not in this neighborhood, we will not tolerate it. And there's got to be a lot of things that happen as far as I'm concerned psychologically and educational-wise. When individuals feel that they have the right to destroy and to hurt uh, loved ones and things, I think that we're treading on very dangerous ground. And, and we, we have to do something about this because even in just the cases that, I, that I've cited tonight, I mean, these are fresh cases. These cases within a week, different areas of the country. Did you hear the similarities of those individuals? Those young ladies were young women of color, 33, 34 years old. They all, they both, were murdered by their husbands. But interesting, they both were gainfully employed, doing things productive. Lives were taken. And the best we'll get from that is people around them will say stuff like, oh, I didn't know she was going through, or yes, he's been abusive and stuff like that, and it would only be a soundbite. But why is it that we do not mount up? Why is it that we don't go beyond that? I mean, I ask you today, I mean, uh, Dr. D, you're there, and, and, and it's constantly my question. I look around and I see other individuals that are very well, you know, they're, they're, they're educated individuals, they're professional individuals, and all those things in our society. And yet it's still, I don't see them run to this cause. I, I don't see them run to this cause. I don't see them when when, when we're having programs or when we're having, uh, you know, things to, to inform, I don't see them supporting these type of events. And I guess my question to you, and I, and I welcome anyone that's out there, area code 323-784-9638, to chime in. Please, that's the way you reach us tonight. Uh, you hit the number one on your keypad uh, and to let us know that you want to come on the air. We invite your comment. But, but Dr. D., I'm asking the, the question, why is it that you think that we don't get involved? Why does it, why does it, I mean, am I answering my own question? Has it not hit deep enough or, or maybe it's not impacting the community as much as I think it is, uh, should? Are we that expendable? I, I really think that there are people who don't get involved because of fear. Fear of what others will think of them by saying, are you exposing yourself? Or I hope you're not trying to expose my name. Or what business is of yours? It's already happened. You can't turn it around. Just be glad it's for Or somebody may say, just be glad it's not you. So it's it's fear. It's basically fear. And and, and people are uh, should look at the fact that humbly, humbly, we're all made of flesh and blood, the same flesh and blood. You know, but and so because it didn't happen to you, it's happening to 
a member of your family somewhere. If it's not your close family, it's your extended family, it's your augmented family, the family that you call your fake brother or your fake sister. It's happening somewhere along the line. There is not one person in this world that can say that it's not happening within that member of their family, somewhere in their family. And if they don't reach out, if you don't reach out, if you don't touch someone, to let them know that there's some empathy there, that you are an humble person, that you are a God, God's child, and you're willing to help in some way. If it's no more than stroke, if it's no more than talk, if it's no more than say, come and walk with me, let me stand by you, let me let you know that I care. And see, what happens Absolutely. to the to the abuser? To the I'm sorry, to the to the victim. Is the victim knowing? that even if there's a stranger who can look at them and say, I'm here for you, that helps. That gives that victim some backbone to stand up for their rights. To know that you're not alone. To know that you're not alone. Absolutely. For for the abuser to know that, oh, you have a partner? To to, to say his victim, oh, you have a partner? You have somebody that's going to stand by you? Guess what? That abuser may walk away. That abuser may say, oh, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to have that around. You know, I remember one time one of my own callers said, uh, and crying, what's going on? Oh, well, he just hit me. I took a 20-minute ride in five minutes and was at that door. Wow. She was afraid to answer the door. She was afraid to answer the door because she knew. Yeah, once you answer that door, and as small as I am and as big as he is, it was going to be a rumble going on. But you don't put your hand on my job, okay? And and, and and here's what I'm saying is that even if you speak up, and to this day, now that happened 20 years ago, but to this day, that same young man who's not part of our lives will call and say, how Because wow. it turns, it turns, it turns, to know that other people you will not do this. Okay? And, and I mentioned that because I actually heard from him today. He lives in wow. state now, but I actually heard from him today. But it, it means a big difference for the listeners. You're on the line. Uh, you're, you're listening through your Internet service, person that you wish to be with, and just say, I'm here for you. Even if you got up in your church, and you said, I want to make have a testimony. It may not be a testimony of you. It may be a testimony of something you heard from this show tonight or previous shows. And say, I want to stand up and say, anybody here who's going through any kind of trouble and you feel that you just want to talk, you know, I'm here. I'm here. Absolutely. It makes a big difference. It makes a difference. And, and that helps because that 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 perpetrator, that abuser, who may be a member of that church, who may be sitting back there and sees it, here you are, they may want to come to you and say, you know, I need help too because all I can think about is slapping her. You know, what can I need to do? Okay. That's what I suggest. You know, you know, and that is so important. And, and see, what you suggested, watch this, what you suggested did not take any special ability. 
It just simply took a special availability that I avail myself to that individual. I avail myself to the, uh, you know, I want them to know that I'm here for them, and that's so crucial. And if we don't do that, then we we are then guilty of just simply being what I like to call a bystander, you know, and I believe that's a certain uh, classification there, bystander bystander violence where we bystand and we don't say anything we don't do anything we don't i mean we treat it as if we're watching a trailer of a movie or something and you know and uh, and 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 we don't understand the power that uh that we give even to a victim when we let them know that i'm here for you i'm standing with you you know uh Oftentimes, just being able to make a difference, I am telling you, I have seen, as I know you have, Dr. D, in so many cases, that the ability to connect with them oftentimes is the push that they need. It is the push that they need oftentimes to regain strength, confidence, belief in themselves, and oftentimes the courage to press forward. And so we cannot afford to underestimate literally our ability and the importance of who we are inside of lives of victims and uh, perpetrators, you know. And one of the things that my heart goes out because this this issue is not something that's done in a vacuum. There are so many multiple layers of the issue of domestic violence and how it happens, and and and, and sometimes so many things that have happened before the general public see the cabane, and the cabane oftentimes is the death or there's really serious injury. But there have been such, I mean, such layers and layers of things that have occurred that have happened. Even in the case of the two-year-old there, Tierra Parker Glover, I believe the last name was, two-year-old child, imagine her own father putting her in the car seat, locked in a car seat, anchoring it down with a tired iron, and throwing her in the creek. Only because the mother would not get back with him. He walked away from it as if nothing had ever happened. Is that not the ultimate form of control or the need thereof? And I have to tell you, Dr. D, I, I'm amazed because there once was a time that I did not see these type cases, especially with people of color. And now it is as prevalent with us as it has been with others for, 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 for a long time. And it, and it leads us to think the fact that now we have to raise our antennas even more. We have to be aware of warning signs and behaviors even earlier now because of the fact I'm, I'm kind of with my Angelo now. If a person show you who they are, believe them. <laughs> and I think that's what we have to do inside of this. Eric O three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Eric O three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I welcome you uh, to the show tonight as we're dealing with some cases of the issue of domestic violence homicide. Some of them are more are as recently as five days and two days ago. And we're talking about what is it that we can do and must do as a people in order to begin to address the situation. Uh, if you'd like to get in on the call, simply Eric O three two Three seven eight four nine six three eight. Hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you like to share in on this question and a comment, and we'll be glad to have you. You're listening uh, to us. We have about right about. Let's see. I think we have right about about 16 minutes left in the program tonight. But we welcome your call there. Uh, so glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, so glad to have Dr. Douglas that's on the line. Dr. D. 
what is it that you say? I mean, what what in your opinion should should happen with the community when you hear of a tragedy like this two year old? What should be should there be a community response, or uh, do people still kind of uh, you know get to their own corners and say it's a shame, but it's also their business? You know, uh, what came to mind really quick just at this moment was, uh, remember they used to put out uh, signs that said wanted, dead or alive? Yes. The community could even put out a sign that said wanted, the names of those who are uh, abusers and perpetrators in your community. Anonymously, you know, like they do uh, with sexual perp- uh, perpetrators, they have a, a listing out where you can go online and you can see for your community, you see all little dots of where there may be sexual pedophiles, per- uh, uh, you know, in your area. You know, maybe the community can kind of run these folks out, you know, by saying, you know, put the, just drop the name in the box, a known abuser. You know, a yeah. known, a known abuser. You know, and then and folks will, you know, some of these people will stand up and say, "Well, I don't want my name in that box, or, or my name's in that box when it shouldn't be." Well, for some reason, it's in that box. You know, and I mean Absolutely. that might start. You know, like the the community for the young lady you mentioned in Miami. You know, they're they're probably sitting there. What are we going to do? What can we do? Or we can take some chicken or some or cake over to the family. You know, to help support them, you know, at this time so they don't have to cook. But what else can you do? You know, maybe put out those signs and want it. The names of, of, of domestic violence abusers. Drop that name in this box. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and the names may not go anywhere. You can't really just go out there and, uh, and victimize people. You know, by putting the right. names out there, but let's know that we're ready to pay. We're ready to, as a as a third party, you know, we are a victim as well because we're a third party to you. To you doing this, and we have rights Absolutely. too as third parties. That might help. That may help to say, I'm telling. I want other people. Well, I tell you what, I love the idea, and I hope that many of the callers that are listening today. Uh, you know, I hope many of the callers that listen today are taking this in because I think it's so very important. Now, I recall some years ago going back to Alabama, and I think I went there for an event, and I was totally shocked because they, where I was, literally, they were posting the names of dead. They had the pictures of deadbeat dads, guys who were not paying child support. They was running it on there like we see Crime Stoppers, and they was running it there. And I promise you, I guarantee you, that caused a lot of guys to step up, go and say, look here, no, no, let me do something. What is it going to take in order for me <laughs> to get my name off of this? Because they didn't want to be embarrassed. You know, I mean, and, and we, we've got to try something. We've got to think outside of the box. We have to cause them to be, uh, I mean, it, it's no reason for those individuals to be able to, to parade around as if they have not caused any harm or injury to people in society, and not be somewhat held accountable for it and put in check. And if it takes that, then I'm, I'm totally in agreement uh, to do what needs to be done to make it happen. 
And I just think it's it's crucial. I think it's important that we do so. And until we do so, I think we're not going to see the results that we need to see. And I think that's what's so most important. That is so important. We need to see the results. We need to see results of people that are standing in. We need to see the results of people that are not going to back down and people that are going to say enough is enough. Erico, 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us today. I'm so glad. I'm going to bring in another caller today. Stay with us, Dr. D. I uh, have another caller. Uh, want to welcome you, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Number in it in 0661. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're on the show. You're with us, caller. Call out Alabama. A number in it in 0661. You're on the air. Welcome to Hope and Healing. Caller, are you there? We had a caller there uh, that was holding there. That's how you reach us, area code 323-784-9638. Caller that was listening there, holding out Alabama. You hit the number one on your keypad, uh, and we definitely uh, love to have you on. I will try to get back to you again. Uh, Perhaps you stepped away from uh, your uh, computer or from your phone, and we'll get back to you. But, but Dr. D, one of the things I'm totally, I, I think that not only do we have to crack down, and the thing about it, as, as aggressively as we're having people to fight for prosecution, we have people that are fighting to defend uh, uh, perpetrators as well. And so how do we find, that's why I think that it has to come from the people. It has to start with the people. And when it starts with the people, it, a difference can be made in a way that will that will have a great impact on what we do as a society, and I think that's very crucial today. And uh, and uh, we we have to do something. I'm I'm following the Marissa Alexander case very uh, closely because I do believe that what we have to do inside of the, uh, that case, I personally will find myself involved in that case because I think to allow here in the state of Florida, uh, who has happened to be a state that is very troubled. Their laws are very, uh, wow, it's, it's, it's just amazing what happens here in the state of Florida when it comes to issues of uh, violence, murder, and those things here. And I think that we have to, it's incumbent upon us to stand up and to speak out against this type of nonsense. I would consider it a travesty to see the wheels of justice come off its wheels, come off its axle, uh, and uh, prosecute Marissa Alexander. I think that we have to stand up and speak out because if not, we set a precedence that will uh, have a far-reaching impact beyond what we're willing and are ready to deal with. Erico, 323-784-9638. Have about 10 minutes left in the show. If you have a question or comment, just simply hit the number one on your keypad. We'll get you on tonight. You're listening to J.R. Ficklin here on the Solo America Radio Network, and I'm so glad to have you join us uh, tonight. So, Dr. D, one of the things I, I want to say, and, I, and one of the things, and I, I definitely want to hear your opinion on this, I, I do think that oftentimes people don't understand the warning signs. Uh, I think people are wired to hope against hope. And I think that if people actually saw some of the warning signs of what to look for in behavior, uh, I think that they will be more off to be able to name what they're going through. I do believe that there are many people that are suffering from domestic violence, but unfortunately they call it something else. They call it normal. <laughs> they call it normality. That's so unfortunate because they do begin to think that is normal. They think that that's the way it is. Um, you know, it's, it's just something so simple. I, I, I don't. This 
visit many households. And last weekend I went to visit a, a, a family friend, some friends that we we met several years ago, and we spent the weekend there. But watching her in the kitchen gave me some ideas to do in my kitchen. You know, so wow. that was a sharing. That, that was a sharing. You know, and that's the same thing when when you you talk and you you reach out and you and you you around other people, you begin to realize, you know, what I thought was normal is really not normal. There was another way to do this. You know, uh, today I, I'm talking a little personal now. You know, but today I went for an eye exam, and uh, and I said to the doctor, I said, maybe my glaucoma is getting worse. And he said, uh, no. He said, I said, well, I see fine. And he said, he said, no, your glaucoma is good, and you don't see fine. He said, the eye exam says that your eyes are worse this year than they were last year. And I said, but wow. I thought I was seeing good. I said, I thought I was wow. looking at everything really well. He said, you can't even pass a job in the exam. I said, wow. my eyes are that bad? I said, you mean what I thought was an E is not an E? He said, no, wow. it's a three. So you see, wow. what I thought normal was not normal. So living in an abusive relationship, you could think that what is happening with you is normal because you haven't reached out and talked to other people. You haven't reached out to realize that what they're doing is normal. You know, you haven't visited that other normal home. You haven't gone to that doctor who says that what you're doing and what you're saying is not right. So you think you're right wrong. You know, I had to talk to a young lady last week about the way she works in her office and the way she was working. She said, but what's wrong with it? I said, it's not correct. You don't use insubordinate and inappropriate language with your supervisor, but I was just expressing my opinion. But that's not the way you work in the workplace. That's incorrect. So what you think is right what you think is normal may not be. So it's good to talk and to share if you want to be sure that you're doing what is correct in this society. And, you know, Dr. D, you know, Dr. D, you and I have had this conversation, and there's so much that we are going to talk about. And, and, you know, and, and for the sake of the audience, when we start talking about what is it that we can do, you know, what is it that we can do to make a difference? I will say this, and I'll disclose this right now. I've already begun preliminary conversation. We're looking to bring a, bring the major stage play right here to uh, uh, the good Palm Beach County area, and, I, and not just a, just another play, you know. Uh, you know, but we are going to look to bring this play better but not broken to the greater Palm Beach County area because, in fact, I think considering the amount of domestic violence cases that we have where we rank in the uh, state, it is imperative that we do something from a community level. Too often time when we deal with domestic violence and domestic violence agencies, we have conferences, we have all those things, but guess who's not included? John and Mary Q. Public. The community is not included. It's generally a conference of other professionals and people who serve inside of victimization. But it doesn't include the people, John and Mary Q. Public. It doesn't offer them. That is why I'm very glad when we have things like the forums that we have on the, on the symposium because it allows John and Mary Q. Public to come see, hear, contribute to this. And now they, they have that opportunity, as you say, to hear from someone else. And for many, they understand there's a new normal, that, that what they thought was normal was not normal. 
normal. And therefore, when they realize that it's not normal, they now have been informed and can begin to make adjustments or make different decisions. And I think that's important. The other thing I'll say that is so crucially important, and I'm, I'm definitely working on this part here, is this. We are living in a day and time where reality TV is just dominating the, the markets. Uh, very few what we used to call sitcoms are on the air anymore. A lot of the uh, networks that are not in, uh, major networks now, but yet it's still they're major in their own right, uh, are thriving and surviving because of the fact of reality shows that they have, whether they are tasteless or tasteful. Yet and still, we see that we're living in an era of reality shows. But a lot of reality shows that I'm seeing is not reality at all, <laughs> you, know, you know, not the reality that I would like to see. So I think that what must happen is that we must begin to develop shows that actually address these issues, bring it on people that have suffered, have gone through family members and institutions and different systems that have been affected by it. And so that now there's a dialogue, a healthy but yet in-your-face dialogue about these type of situations and, and where is the help and how do we offer help and how can you offer help although you may not be a therapist you may not be any of those things but you can offer help and not feel that you're inadequate or insufficient enough uh, that you're insufficient that you cannot provide some type of relief or some type of a direction or strength to someone that has been impacted and I think those things are crucial Dr. D and I think that these are the things that I'm hoping that the community take at large and begin to organize and lastly but not leastly I think that we must utilize the halls of education. We have to. We have to utilize the halls of education. And when I say the halls of education, I'm, I'm even talking about the houses of worship. If we don't impact, if we don't inform, if we do not educate, if we do not empower, if we do not equip, if we do not engage people inside of this dialogue and conversation, then what we'll continue to do is, is be caught with the element of surprise by saying, Oh, I didn't know this was happening. Or oh, we never flushed it out, and so no one cared until someone shows up inside of our churches with gun knives coming after one of the uh, parishioners because of the fact, listen, they are trying to get vengeance or they're trying to have control, but then the church is caught off guard because of the fact no one ever knew because no one ever extended the olive branch and no one ever said anything even from the pulpit about it. No one ever gave reference to it, and therefore, guess what? The victim didn't feel that they could say anything. They could come forth. They felt unwelcome, and I think we have so much to do with the cosmetics and the way that we do things, and I think that's the next level. The next level is to make this a, a subject matter that we can remove the shame and blame, but we can begin to really hit it head, hands on and talk about how far it reaches into the lives of, of those family members. And I, I like to think that when there's domestic violence, homicide, or homicide of any sort, it automatically reaches deep into the legacy of that individual and wipes out years that can never be replaced. And that is my opinion tonight on that. I thank you so very much for joining us on tonight. Uh, Dr. D, so glad to have you with us tonight. And for so many of you that are listening tonight, thank you for listening to us tonight here on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Holiness. This is J.R. Thicklin. And listen, we're here every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is 8 o'clock Central Time Zone, 6 o'clock for those that are in the Western Time Zone. And for wherever you may be, coast to coast, this is where you reach us at. Now, if you like to write us or you like 
to email us, email me at manofpurpose2000 at gmail.com, manofpurpose2000 at gmail.com. And if you'd like to become involved in some of the projects that we have coming up and things that we desire to do, I welcome your call. I welcome you. I welcome you to become a part of what we're doing. And uh, and uh, we definitely want to keep you informed, and we definitely want to be a part of this informed network. And so until next time, this is J.R. Thickland, and I'm thanking you once again for being with us. Be safe. Speak up. Stand up. Speak out. Because there is no excuse for domestic violence. And until next time, this is J.R. Thickland. I'm saying have a great day. Good night.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.